You may be seated. No, I'm so excited to be able to share God's word with you tonight and always enjoy doing so. We have been looking at signs in the book of John and specifically these miracles that Jesus is performing. Tonight we're going to be looking at the raising of Lazarus. And so uh, I'm excited about this. Uh, it's, it's, it's interesting because there's so many varied pieces, pieces, pieces. <laughs> yeah, Reese's pieces. I got candy on my mind. Uh, I got so many varied pieces in the story here, but there's two that I want to draw out tonight. And it's these two right here. Number one, how do you handle situations when Jesus is not responding in both the schedule and the way you want and expect them to. Let me read that again. How do you handle situations when Jesus is not responding in both the schedule and the way you want and expect them to? That is, you're, you're following Jesus. You love Jesus. Jesus loves you. He has great things in store for you, right? We believe in a personal God. And you believe that things should go a specific and certain way. And then suddenly you're, you're, you're expecting God to show up with some mighty and powerful action. And it doesn't happen. How do you handle that? How do you process that? So that's the first thing we're going to look at tonight. And the second thing is this. How do you face death? How do you face death? What, what conjures up inside of you when you begin to think about death? Is it fear? Is it uncertainty? Is it, is it peace? Is it hope? Maybe it's a mixture of, of all four of those pieces. What begins to come and arise up within you when you think about facing your own death? Or, or what, what happens in your heart when, when you begin to, to have those around you whom you love die as way? How do we, as followers of Christ, face death? And so we're going to hop into the story here of the raising of Lazarus. And uh, it's a great story. In John chapter 10, Jesus is in Jerusalem. He's at the Feast of Dedication, which is Hanukkah. And he begins to have this interaction and confrontation with the Jews who are there at the temple. And they specifically ask him, they say, you know, just tell us plainly if you're the Messiah, if you're the Christ. And Jesus says, I've I've already told you who I am. And you don't believe. He says, in fact, I've done all these works and you don't believe. And then he goes on and he says, you know, by the way, just in in case you missed it, I and the father are one. Well, that just sets these Jews off in a tizzy. And so they pick up stones and they're ready to take Jesus out and kill him. And scripture says that Jesus escaped their grasp and he goes to the other side of the Jordan away from Jerusalem where John the Baptist was baptizing earlier and he begins to camp out there. For he knows if he goes back to Jerusalem, which is going to come true, if he goes back to Jerusalem, they're going to kill him. And so he he goes to this obscure uh, wilderness area here and he's camped out here and this is where we pick up in John chapter 11. It says this, now a man named Lazarus was sick. And he was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister, Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus was lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. Let me pause here. I forgot to do this. Would you just please stand for this part here? Some of you are like, when is he going to have a stand? So this is a long reading. So just bear with me here. I gave you a little bit of head start to sit down. All right. So the sister sent word to Jesus. Lord, the one you love is sick. 
And when he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And so when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you are going to go back? And Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Remember, he's been saying, you know, this is not my hour. This is not my hour. This is not my hour. It's, it's starting to come his hours. Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he'd said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. But I'm going there to wake him up. I love the disciples' response here. His disciples said, well, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. And Jesus had been speaking of his death, but the disciples thought he meant natural sleep. And so Jesus has to, so then he totally blamed them. Hey, he's dead, okay? (laughs) And for your sake, I am glad that I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. And then Thomas, who was known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with Jesus. And on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. And so they explain, they give us some context here. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem. And many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in in the loss of their brother. And when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, oh, I, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. And after she had said this, she went back and called her her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. And when Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. And when the Jews who had been with Mary in the house, comforting her, noticed how she quickly got up and went out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to mourn there. But she's going out to see Jesus. And when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Same thing that uh, uh, Martha said. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping... He was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, they said. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? 
Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, Martha, said Martha, the sister of the dead man. By this time, there's a bad odor for he's been there for four days. And Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone and Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to him, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Amen. You may be seated. Woo! Lots of scripture there. Lots of good stuff. So here's the context that we got going on. And here's what's, what's happening. Again, Jesus is in Jerusalem. His life is threatened. He goes out to this, uh, this wilderness area. And then the sisters send word. And I love what they say here specifically. They just simply give the state of the situation. Lord, the one you love is sick. They just state the situation. They don't ask, hey, hey, Lord, please come quickly. They don't say, Lord, come do your miraculous thing. They simply just state the situation in full expectancy and anticipation that this is going to cause a reaction and action from Jesus to respond to the situation. And some of you probably do this with your kids. I do this with my kids all the time. I'll walk into the room. They'll be in there and I will just come in and I will just state the situation your room is a mess and I will walk out of the room and my kids know that when I just state the situation, I expect action. They best be cleaning their room. Uh, we assign chores and, and so one of the chores that we assign is taking out the trash. And so I just state the situation. I'll open up the little trash drawer and I'll just announce to the whole family, the trash is full. I don't ask anybody to take out the trash. I don't say, pretty, pretty, please take out. I just announce the situation with full expectation that somebody best be getting out the trash. Whoever it was assigned to, they best be doing it. Now, every once in a while, Betsy will do this to me. It's quite embarrassing, right? I mean, I'll, I'll be preparing a sermon. I'll have like all the papers out on the table and such. And she'll, she, like dinner is, you know, almost ready. And she'll come in and she'll just look at all the papers on the table. And she'll look at me and she'll just state, there's papers on the table. Yes, ma'am. I know I best be taking some action, right? Sometimes you just have to state the situation. And with that comes the expectancy that people are going to take action on that. She'll come and she'll see my socks on the floor and she'll say, your socks are on the floor and just walk away. Right? I mean, I know that I need to pick up my socks and put them in a hamper. I mean, you can state the situation and you know the action needs to be had. Jesus, the one you love, is sick. I expect a reaction and an action from you. 
for you love. Now, I, I, I kind of think of Mary and Martha almost like as, as cheerleaders, you know, type, you know. Uh, you know our need. We know your power. Let's put the two together and see your miraculous power. Go, Jesus! Like, you know, it's like, they want to see a miracle here. Quick action. Come heal our brother. And I love what John does here because he adds this commentary. He doesn't want us to miss this. He, what, he doesn't want us to think like, oh, you know, Jesus and Martha and Mary, you know, they had a little tiff here. He specifically says, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And you'd be expecting. So he quickly rushes off to do the miracle. But that's not what happens. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more Days. Are you kidding me? I thought he loved them. I thought he loved these sisters. Why is he delaying things? You know, we have these uh, these uh, WWJD bracelets, right? What would Jesus do? You know, there's been many situations I've been thinking about changing that up and buying a bracelet and making a bracelet that says WWJT. What was Jesus thinking? Have you ever found yourself in a situation? It's like, WWJT, what was Jesus thinking here? I don't know if you've had situations or have had encounters in your life. And you begin to think to yourself, Lord, if you would have been here. You apply for a job and... And you don't get the job. And you think to yourself, Lord, if you would have been here. Or you were in line for that promotion and they skipped over you for that promotion. And you're thinking to yourself, Lord, if only you would have been involved and engaged in the situation, I would have gotten that promotion. Some of you young gals are looking for that boyfriend and you're thinking, oh, Lord, if you'll just be involved in this situation, I'll get the man of my dreams. Some of you, you know, have had close friends who've been praying for a child and have gone barren. And you've been thinking, Lord, if you would have been there. You've had people that you've loved who have been ill and not seen the miracle in the time frame or way that you thought would come to fruition. And you've thought to yourself, Lord, if you would have been there. So what do you do when Jesus is delayed and is not responding the way that you thought he would? I have a very close, uh, Betsy and I have very close uh, friends and they've been trying to have a, a baby for a long time, years. And they've been praying about it and we've joined them and been praying about it. And, and, you know, we think like this, this would be a good thing for them to have a child and for God to answer this prayer and for this to occur. And, and it hasn't gone the way that we've anticipated or, or thought that it should, should happen. How do you process that as a believer? So some of you, you know, you've been thinking, you know, man, if I could just get that husband and, and it's, it's lonely over here and it's the desire of my heart and I just don't know what to do. And it's been months and I've been praying and seeking and I've been letting people know that I'm single. You know, I've, I've been sitting close to guys at church like, you know, Lord, just bring this about in my life. And it hasn't occurred. It hasn't happened. 
How do you, how do you process that as a believer? I'll never forget when my sister was in her early 20s, she was six months pregnant and the doctors called her and she had this little spot on her leg. And so she went in, they removed the spot and then it kind of grew back. And so she went in again and, and the doctor said, you know, we, we probably need to do a biopsy of that. And so they did a biopsy of that and then they came back and they said, you got cancer. It's a rare form of cancer. Six months pregnant. She began taking low doses of chemotherapy while she was pregnant because they didn't know if the baby had cancer also. And we as a family, we began praying. Ooh, We began praying our little hearts out. She was a faithful Christian. We were faithful Christian. We love God. God loved us. He's almighty. Let's put it all together and see his miraculous power. Yay, Jesus, right? Three years goes by, in and out of remission, in and out of remission, and then she passes away. We had full expectation that God was going to perform the miraculous. Full expectation. Like, this is where the rubber meets the road for us as believers, right? Like, this is a rub. Like, what do you do with that? How do you handle that? How do you, how do you begin to, to process that? So this brings up the question for me of, of this. The question is, how do you handle situations when Jesus is not responding in both the schedule and the way that you want and expect him to? How do you handle those situations? And so this is the first thing that it brings up in me when I, when I encounter these situations. I want to know why, right? Why did I not get the job? Why are they not having the baby? Why did I get passed up for the promotion? Why is that husband not coming into my life? Why did my sister die? I want to know why. And I'm going to give you the answer tonight. And this is the answer. I don't know. I didn't say it was a good answer. I just told you it was the answer, right? <laughs> I, I don't know. There's, there's some things that happen that I just don't know. I know this, we're just mere dust people whom God has breathed his life into. And I believe the promise of Isaiah that says this reality. And Isaiah, it says this. For my thoughts, says the Lord, are not your thoughts. And neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth... So are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts are not your thoughts. You see, Mary and Martha wanted Jesus to come heal their brother right now. They stated the situation in full expectation. And they're left with the, well, well why? why? And I think all of us encounter that, don't we? We all encounter disappointment when it comes to our relationship with Jesus. And we all have to come to a place where we ask that question, why? Why did that person die? Why did that person get cancer? Why did that, them you know, not have a baby? Why am I not getting my husband? Why did the job, you know, why, 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 why? Don't we ask this question? And we have to come to a point where we have to accept the reality that our ways are not God's ways. 
And that's tough because I don't know if you're, if you're like me, but I think my ways are the right ways. <laughs> like, my timing is perfect. Like, Lord, if you would get on my time frame, things would be good. And sometimes my thoughts are not his thoughts. My ways are not God's ways. Job is encountering uh, this big turmoil in his life. He gets everything stripped away. And I love, there's three friends that come to Job and they're trying to explain the why to Job. Well, this, this may be a possibility of why all this occurred. And this may be a possibility of why this occurred. And then in the midst of that, God shows up in a storm and begins to speak to Job. And I love this passage here in Job 38. Then the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm and he said, well, who is it? That obscures my plans with words without knowledge. Those people don't have a clue. Brace yourself like a man. (laughs) I will question you and you shall answer me, Job. And then he begins with this two chapters of questions. Hey, Job, uh, where were you when I laid the earth's foundations? Tell me if you understand. Who, Who marked off its dimensions? Uh, surely you know, right? Who stretched a measuring line across it? On, on what were its footing set or who, who, who laid its cornerstone? While the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. And it's two chapters of these questions to Job. I mean, can you imagine standing there and getting all these questions? This is like, oh my goodness, what has just occurred? And then... Watch, watch the very end here. This is, he, he goes on, he's asking more questions. He says, will the ones who, will the one who contends with the almighty correct him? Let him who accuses God answer him. Then after two chapters of these questions, Job answered the Lord. And he says, I'm unworthy. How can I reply to you? I put my hand over my mouth. I spoke once, but I have no answer. Twice, and I will say no more. You see, there's a reality here that God is just bringing to Job's attention and simply reminding him, I'm God and you are not. I'm God. And you are not. And boy, is that easy to tell other people. Huh? Isn't that easy to tell other people? Hey, just, you're not God. But when it's, when it's being told to you, like, it's like, I am God and you are not. Job got the message and he said, I'm unworthy. I'm going to (laughs) just, you go ahead and do your thing, God. I'm going to trust you in this. Number two here. Sometimes there is a design in the delay. Sometimes there is a design in the delay. Jesus delayed going to Lazarus. He delayed that for two whole days. And there was a design in it. In John eleven four, it says this. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for, what's the design? God's glory. I'm delaying things because I'm going 
to show and display God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. And that's good news. All right. All right. Here's, here's the next one. Uh, John 11, uh, 14 through 15. No. Uh, so then he told them plainly, hey, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there so that you may believe so that your your belief may strengthen. But let us go to him. So you, you see, there is design in the delay. Uh, one time I was walking through this uh, castle overseas and they had this huge tapestry. And we walk in and, and the, the tour guide says, oh, isn't that a beautiful tapestry? Just a, a work of art. And I'm looking at this thing. And I'm thinking, this is the ugliest thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> like, did they not know how to make stuff back then? Like, what's, what's the deal? Like, this is ugly. Like, ugly, ugly, ugly. Like, little yarn hanging out and stuff. I mean, it just look all naughty and, and whatnot. And he said, you're, you're probably wondering why I made that statement. But he said, come around here on the other side. They just had it hanging in the middle of the room. And you come, came around on the other side and it was one of the most, most gorgeous pieces of work of art I'd ever seen in my life. Some of you are staring at all the pain, at all the unanswered prayers, at all the disappointments, at all the delays... And all you see is confusion, heartache, and hurt. And God just wants to take you around to the other side and say, I have a design. I've not abandoned you. I've not left you. There is a purpose. There is a design sometimes for my delay. Now we're going to play a quick game here because I think oftentimes we're just like quick quick paced society, aren't we? Like we do not like delay. We hate delay. You know, we expect our food to come quick. We expect our oil changes to be 10 minutes. We, if, if it's like more than five minutes in the drive-thru, like I begin to flip out, like, what are these people doing? Do they not know how to make a hamburger? You know, it's just like, we, we don't like delay. That's just who we are as people. And so I thought we'd do a little throwback game here. And so I'm going to play, I'm going to have the guys in the sound booth. I'm going to have them play a sound here in just about like 15 seconds of a sound. Don't shout out your answers, but just think about what the sound is. And then after after that, I'll ask you what it is. I'll have you out, out loud. Okay, so let's play the first sound here. You got it? All right, thank you. All right, anybody know what that sound is? Dial up internet, right? I mean, can you imagine like 15 seconds? Like, oh my goodness, like your computer's making this horrible sound. Sounds like it's just going to blow up. Now, right? We expect no delay. Like if it's not instantly, like there's something wrong. Like I'm calling up at and I'm calling up Spectrum. Like I, I got to make a phone call. There's something wrong with my internet. If it's not happened instantly, Next sound here. Next sound. All right, you got it? You got it? All right, what was the sound? It was horses. Horses. Did you know that for thousands of years, there were no automobiles? It wasn't until 1886 that Carl's Benz applied for a patent for a vehicle powered by a gas engine. But now, right? 
If there's traffic, bike week? Are you kidding me? This is my first bike week experience? Who planned this event? I I need some phone numbers, folks. Like, I got to be best making some calls. Like, this is unacceptable. I need to be getting places. I was late. Oh, don't even get me started. Okay, so, hey, we love you bikers if you're here. I'm glad Bike Week has brought you here, but the traffic, woo. Okay, that's a whole other thing. Okay, it's complicated. That's what I'm saying. It's complicated. All right, third, third sound here. Third sound. This one's a little bit more difficult. Hmm, this sounds so good, doesn't it? Sounds so good. All right, we can lower it. What is that sound? That is a fire. For thousands of years, there was no microwave. There was no air fryer. It was called a fire. You built a fire. You started the fire. You waited for it to, you know, like, it took time. And I'm just saying this, I'm, I'm just pointing out a, a, a reality here. People were used to a process and delays. Things took time. We, uh-uh. Like, it, it better happen. And so we pray prayers, and it's like, Lord God, please accomplish this. Amen. Did it happen? Did it, did it take? Make the phone call and see if it happened. Right? I mean, if there's any delay on God's part at all, we think something's wrong. Like, something's broken. Like, oh, my, you know, my, it, it must be my faith. It must be my, so they, you know, or, or it must be their faith. It could be their faith. Not my faith, because I prayed, but it could be their faith, because I was praying for them. Or it could be God. Maybe, maybe he's gone. Maybe he's, you know, if he would have been there, right? Do we not do this? We do this to ourselves, and, and, and we don't handle it well. That's all I'm saying. Like, we don't handle it well. When there's any delay of what we expect and think God should do, like, on our time frame... And the ways that we think he should do it, if there's any delay at all, we get angry, we get frustrated, we, we become sad, it throws us into confusion, it throws us into despair. So, back to the question, how do you handle situations when Jesus is not responding in both the schedule and the way you want and expect him to? And, and here's the answer. That's hard, isn't it? I mean, it just seems so easy. Just trust God. Like, you know, we've seen those songs, right? Trust in God. You know, I don't know that. I made that song up. But, um, you know, it's like, just trust God. And it's just like, I mean, that is so easy to tell other people. Just, you know, just trust God. If you just had a little bit more faith, if you would just trust God. And then it becomes into where it's your situation. Yeah. That's a little bit more difficult. Proverbs 3, 5 uh, states this. Trust in the Lord with a little, pe- no, with a, with a partial, no, with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Whew. That's tough, isn't it? I mean, it's easy when life is good, but when you begin to encounter situations, you want me to, you want me to do what? Tr- 
trust the Lord your God with all your heart. I worked at a uh, challenge course facility and in Kentucky at a college for several years. And one of the things that we would do is they had low ropes and high ropes. And so we would take youth groups and uh, athletic teams and uh, corporate uh, managers and such through these challenges to kind of just team building and personal reflection and all this stuff. It was great. Love the job. One of my roles was to send people off a zip line. And so we'd be up 40 feet in the air and uh, we would get them all strapped up and they were, you know, had to cross these other challenges. They get to the zip line that was 40 feet in the air and we would get them uh, all strapped up. And then the zip line was 150 feet. And so you're standing there or sitting, depending on who you were, on the platform. And we got you all harnessed up. And the only thing in front of you is, is this cable and a rope. That's the only thing in front of you. Because everything else is up here, right? And so you're, 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 and, and so we would say, all right, this harness is, is rated you know, and so we talk about the rating of the harness and we talk about the rating of the cable. This cable can hold like vehicles suspended straight up in the air. And so we, we talk about all the safety fees, features and such because we wanted them to come to a point where they trusted the cable. And, and so we would say to them, all right, now all you need to do is just either jump off the platform or if they were sitting on the platform, just scoot off the platform. And I got to tell you... <laughs> It was so much fun for me to see just the human emotion come out and flood the gates, right? I mean, people like grown men, like men that would you not like mess with, right? Like would be crying, like I don't know, I don't know. Like people would like became a confessional booth. Like people would start confessing stuff because they thought they would die. Like, oh, by the way, I did this and I did this in 1984. I can't believe I did that. It's like really, you're doing that right here, right now. It's like, well, I don't know if I'm gonna die. You know, people would be saying the, like the craziest things, like they'd be shaking, snot would be gone, like tears would be rolling, like it was, it was kind of fun. I mean, it was just kind of fun for me. I mean, but it was real. Like, I got to tell you, it was real. Like what they were experiencing was real. Now I had seen hundreds of people, if not thousands of people go off the zip line. This zip line had them. We had a backup to the backup to the backup. I checked everything like this was not going to fail. This was going to hold them. But there came a point where they had to let go. They had to let go. And they had to get off the platform and put their trust in all the harnesses and and the cables and such. I think oftentimes in our, in our walk with Christ, we, we encounter situations, right? I mean, it's great like when you're on the ground and such, but when suddenly you don't really see anything before you and God's going, let go, let go. I got this. I got this. I'm in control. I'm on my throne. I haven't left the building. I know COVID is here. I'm still on my throne. I got this. Trust me. Trust me. Trust me. Let go. Trust me, let go, stop worrying, stop being in fear, stop living in anxiety. I, trust me, I got this. And like, we, and like, we're like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do this. You know, it's like, we got our hands, you know, gripped into the wood. Like, I do not want to get off this platform. I want to control the situation. Stop leaning on your own understanding. 
Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And that's not our natural response. I was talking to my wife about this as I was prepping for the message. And she said, you know, Ryan, sometimes I have to talk myself into continued trust of God. I have to quote myself scripture. I have to dig in God's word. I have to like conjure up with inside of me a continued trust. Yes, my natural response is the worry. Yes, my natural response is the fear. Yes, my natural response is, is, is the, but I am going to trust God because he is true and trustworthy. Amen. Oh, I know this is not easy. And if I'm honest, like it just kind of stinks, right? Like. Ah, like that's that's tough. Like it stinks that my friends are not having their baby. It stinks maybe that you didn't get a job. It stinks that people are sick and you pray for them and they don't get healed on the time frame that you think they should heal. Like it stinks that my sister died. Like there's no piece of it that takes away the sting of the reality of life. But as a follower of Christ, I have to get to a place where I go, you know, Sometimes I, I, I don't understand. I don't know why. why. Why were you delayed, Jesus, for two days? I don't know why, but I'm going to trust God. Now, I need to get to this other piece here because someone needs this word. Maybe you've had someone uh, that you love die and you're hurting. And it's, it's caused distance from God. You know, there's two responses to death. And, I, and I, I've shared this with people who are going through a loss of a loved one. It either draws you closer to God or you begin to move further away from God. And maybe there's somebody here tonight that you've had a death of a loved one and it has, you, you've chosen to allow that death to move you away from God. And you're hurt and you're angry and you're upset and you're frustrated and you're asking the question why and you're not getting a response and you're just ticked off at God. And you've allowed that to produce space between you and God. And you hate that as well, that this has caused this space between you and God. And so let me just, how do we face death as believers in Jesus Christ? How do you face death? And we see the answer here in this passage in John. Jesus said to her, I'm the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And then he turns to her because he wants a personal response from her and says, do you believe this? Like, I'm not just stating facts. Like, do you believe this? And, and I want you to like picture Jesus because he's here tonight. Like, Staring you in the face and going, do you believe this? Do you believe this reality? Do you believe this the truth? And here's, we have, we have three promises that we have in scripture here in the book of John, uh, where we're being called when we face death. It's the same response. We need to trust God, just like we do when we face these circumstances. And as a follower of Christ, you face death in light of the promises of Jesus. We have these promises in scripture that are true and trustworthy and faithful. And we need to grab hold of these truths when we are facing death, when we have someone we love who, who has died. And here's these three truths in, in, in the book of John. He says in John 14, 2, he says, My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, what have I told you that I'm going to there to prepare a place for you? I mean, here's the reality. I, I, I got space for you. <laughs> There's space 
for you in heaven. All right? Next passage here. John 14, 19. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Why? Because I live, you also will live. Those who are in Christ, those who have placed their faith in Christ will also live. And then the final passage here, and this is in Romans 6, 5. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, well, it just certainly makes sense. We will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. You see, we have the promise of heaven. When we die as believers in Christ, you go to heaven. And then when Jesus comes back, you will receive a resurrected body which is going to be cool. I t- told my son, like, how, like what's that going to be like? We have these, like, cool discussions. Like, we, we're just throwing out crap to each other. It's like, we have no clue what we're talking about. But just so much fun, right? Okay, so... You're, we're all, I mean, there's two things inevitable, right? One's coming up, death and taxes, right? We're all going to die. And listen, if you're afraid of death, Let me just invite you to turn to Jesus and hold to the promises of him. If you've allowed this distance, let me just invite you to walk back to Jesus. Like run to Jesus, like fix your eyes on him because he's the only one who will bring healing in your life. And what you're doing is you're creating more distance that's causing you more pain and more damage. Run to Jesus. Let go of worry. Let go of control. Trust in Jesus. We are all going to encounter situations where Jesus does not respond like we want him to. And we're going to be tempted to walk away from Jesus, to become disillusioned, to get thrown into despair, to begin to find ourselves in in a dark place. And let me just encourage you, trust in God. Trust in him with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Amen? Would you stand as we pray? Lord, we're we're so grateful for your word tonight and your truth. And I pray for individuals tonight who are going through some major stuff and are are tempted to say to you, Lord, you you don't care about me, you don't love me. And, And that could be farther from the truth. And so I ask that you would implant your truth into their heart and into their mind that you love them. You always have loved them. Even when things didn't make sense, even when bad things were happening, even when chaos and confusion was, you have always loved them, Lord. And I ask that you would help them to just get a, just a, like a tiny, tiny glimpse, Lord, uh, of your beautiful tapestry on the other side, that, that, that there is a plan, that you are in control, that you are on your throne, and that, that we can trust you. And so bring us to that place, Lord, where we're, we're not leaning on our own understanding, that we recognize that, that you are God and we are not, and that we can come to you in, in just humility and just lay our, our hearts and minds before you and say, Lord God, that, that you would continue to do your work, Lord. And, and I don't understand always what you're doing or what you're up to in your life, but I'm choosing to trust in you. Lord, make, make that the stature of our heart. Make that the plea of our lives. Equip us for this, Lord. We know that the enemy wants nothing more than to, to steal, kill, and destroy and take us out. And so let us not be tossed into despair, Lord, but build us up 
Build up our faith that we would trust you now and always. And we ask all this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Hey, have a great rest of the week. Blessings.